Radio MD. RadioMD.com. Spokesperson for the American College of Emergency Physicians. She's Dr. Lee. And the Dr. Lee Vinoker Show. Hi, and welcome to the show, Health from the Outside In. Uh, it's uh, getting close to Valentine's Day in the month of February. It's always important to talk about heart health and uh, heart disease awareness. So my first guest is here to talk about an interesting study that looked at in a, uh, a typical problem in heart disease, one of the most common irregular heartbeats and how... Um, risk factor for death and stroke was greater in women than men. So my guest is Con- Connor Emden. He is a doctoral student and Rhodes Scholar and a cardiovascular epidemiologist. And he's focusing on this. And this is a recent study that just came out. So welcome, Connor. Thanks for being on the show. Hi, it's great to be here. So um, let's first just tell everybody uh, we're talking about atrial fibrillation, uh, which is a very common illness. What exactly is it? So atrial fibrillation is an irregular heartbeat, which which basically results from the top chamber of your heart, the atria, um, not actually beating properly. And what's, what's classically associated with atrial fibrillation is stroke, because the, the atrium doesn't beat properly and clots will form. Uh, within the atrium, and then they're pumped kind of up through the carotid artery, and then they cause a stroke um, in the brain. And so it's actually quite a quite a dangerous um, cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. And the um, the treatment for it, I mean, sometimes they try to correct the rhythm, right? If if possible, if it's just uh, diagnosed so that it doesn't happen, correct? Uh, they do um, through ablation, and there's also recent research throwing that intensive lifestyle modification. So uh, reducing obesity and eating a healthier diet will actually also reduce um, atri- will get can get rid of atrial fibrillation. Um, but the other big therapy is anticoagulation therapy when you can't get rid of it, um, which is uh, putting patients on blood thinners so that they don't actually have strokes. Okay. So what uh, made you start to look at this in men and women? And there's kind of a theme we'll be talking about um, in other segments that women have different presentations of heart disease, that it's it might be a little bit of a different disease in, in women than men. So what led you to look at this? Well, two of my colleagues, um, very talented epidemiologists, Mark Woodward and Bonnie Peters, had previously shown that diabetes actually affects women more strongly than men. Women with diabetes are at higher risk of coronary heart disease um, than equivalent men. And so I wondered whether or not you could actually observe the same thing with atrial fibrillation. And in fact, that's what we found. So when we pulled together a large number of uh, studies, about 30, I believe, um, what we found was that atrial fibrillation was associated with a much higher risk of all-cause death, um, cardiovascular death, uh, myocardial infarction, so heart attacks, stroke, and heart failure in women than men, um, somewhat surprisingly. Yeah, I mean, the study said something like they were twice as likely to suffer a stroke as men um, if they had atrial fibrillation and 93% more likely to die from this heart condition. That's correct. So mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the things to note about this study is it's unclear the causality of this. So it's unclear whether or not atrial fibrillation is actually affecting women more strongly or whether or not uh, women, when they're diagnosed with atrial fibrillation, tend to have much more severe disease 
um, perhaps because doctors are less likely to screen women. Hmm. And then what about, I mean, how, how do you know, because this is always a, a big issue with women, so what are the symptoms? Are they, do women have the same symptoms? I mean, we're finding out now that women don't even have the same symptoms as of a heart attack. So do you think that perhaps the symptoms also of atrial fibrillation are more subtle or in women or women are just ignoring it? <laughs> well, I believe that clinical, so this isn't my uh, area, um, but I believe that clinical diagnosis of atrial fibrillation typically occurs through an electrocardiogram. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would not believe that the presentation on electrocardiogram would probably differ very much from women and men. What may differ are physician insights. So whether or not a physician thinks, oh, a woman is going to be likely to have an atrial fibrillation versus a corresponding man. And kind of touching on something which you mentioned before. So for example, there's lots of research showing that uh, uh, doctors are less likely to treat women aggressively after having a heart attack. And so you can imagine something similar in this situation might also exist. Doctors may be less likely to screen women uh, with atrial, who, who may have atrial fibrillation. Right. And I think, you know, some of the symptoms of feeling short of breath or just fatigue and winded more, I mean, women really tend to ignore and downplay their symptoms uh, more than men. You know, they this feeling of, oh, there's so much to do and they're great caretakers for their family's health, but they're not such great uh, caretakers or pay attention to their own health. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely a possibility. And one of the reasons why I think it's important to uh, conduct this kind of research and raise awareness among physicians with regard to a variety of conditions that it's important to screen and treat women with heart disease aggressively. Mm-hmm. And it is something that once you do the EKG, it's it's pretty evident. I mean, even as a ER physician on on an exam, irregularly irregular heartbeat, you can even detect uh, impulses sometimes. So it so it is detectable if you're looking for it. Uh, that's definitely true. Okay. And um, this was just kind of a review of studies, correct? So it, we, you know, we didn't, it wasn't really a, a cause and effect. You were just uh, looking at this in a bunch of different studies and found that women had poorer outcomes. That's correct. But what we did is that we pooled together a lot of different past studies. So a lot of the past studies were underpowered because they would only look at, for example, a thousand people. Um, and so they couldn't actually observe a difference. And so they concluded, based on this lack of power, that there wasn't a difference. But when we pulled together all of the past studies, including 4 million people in total, we observed very clear differences between men and women. And one of the importances of conducting large-scale research like we did. Hmm. So then going forward, I mean, the, the you know, the take-home message, I think, you know, for women is don't, you know, so many women, it's easy to chalk up you know, something like fatigue or, you know, like feeling short of breath, you're stressed, you're running around, you're doing a lot of different things, um, but you need to pay attention to that. And we need to get physicians to pay attention to that. Uh, I, I definitely agree. And I also think another takeaway from this is that it's important to conduct sex-specific research and look at, um, you know, the effects of diseases um, in women because if you don't do that, it's very easy to miss the fact that women may be undertreated relative to men, or that women may be, uh, uh, or that women, or that diseases may affect women differently than men. And this 
past hasn't really been funded very well. So it's something that I think needs to change in the research community going forward. Yeah, there's a, there's always the huge um, gender bias in women. I mean, for anything, drugs or anything, you know, there's always the worry women can, you know, when they test drugs, they don't know the effects on pregnancy and things like that. So in the past, I think most research has been done on men uh, specifically. But I, I think studies like this... Um, really do highlight that there's a difference. So going forward, what types of things are you going to be looking at now related to this? So one of the things that I like to do is use genetics to kind of try to determine the causality of this. Um, so you can look at genes which cause atrial fibrillation. And if those genes also cause high risk of stroke in women, you'll know that the relationship is causal. And then another thing that I'd like to look at is uh, differences in treatment. So whether or not physicians actually tend to treat women uh, less aggressively uh, then they treat men with atrial fibrillation because that could also be another cause. Mm-hmm. And then we just have uh, less than a minute, but the, as far as lifestyle, you're saying to prevent the causes of atrial fibrillation itself, correct? In about 30 uh, seconds. It's Once you have it, lifestyle doesn't make that much of a difference, but it's to not get it initially? Uh, no, actually. So there's research coming right out of Australia that shows that um, very aggressive weight loss wow. uh, programs uh, can, can really help. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's very interesting. Another lifestyle aspect. This is the Dr. Lee Vinokur Show, Health from the Outside In. <laughs> 